for just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Elk Bros 2019, in camp, in the house. You're not going to want to miss this show. Four bulls in three days of hunting. All this plus much more, and we talk about all of our great bad luck, right? It's been epic. You're not going to want to miss this. Much more from our Elk Bros shout-outs and our mailbox right here at Elk Camp 2019. So, my friends, pull up a chair, adjust your volumes just right, and welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting. Brought to you by ElkGrows.com with your host Gilbert Arnellis and elk hunting coach Joe Gillian. You want to hunt elk? And they live to hunt elk. Their goal is to share with you what they have learned grinding it out for over 35 seasons doing what they love. So come on into camp and set a spell. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunters. Welcome back to the show. For those of you out there that have been listening to us, glad to have you back. For those blue-collar hunters that have been grinding it out in elk camp and out in the elk woods with us, glad to have you. I'm the host of the show, Gilbert Ornelas. To the right of me, I have our elk hunting coaches in the house, in camp, right here, Joe, the masterful Joe Gillia and Leroy Chav Chavez. To the left, we've got the Venezuelan Mafia, Manuel Gatron, <laughs> Luis Gonzalez, and the Pennsylvania cat killer himself, Brendan Houlihan. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Guys, welcome to Elk Camp 2019. It's awesome I, I tell you, talk about an epic elk hunt. And, you know, you said, and we're going to start this off right away, that uh, we had some of the <laughs> best bad luck <laughs> people could have, man. No doubt. So you guys want to hear the stories and what's been happening for Elk Camp and uh, and and the stories actually started before we even got to Elk Camp. You know, that's uh, fact. 
Uh, Chav, journey. man, Chav, we get back from a, a road trip in Minnesota, and next thing we know, uh, Chav's using his health insurance like <laughs> for the first time, yeah. <laughs> like all get out. It was just uh, mystery illness. I, I know. I mean, how many vials of blood have you been given in the last month? I think I gave four vials and. Three days? No, about no, maybe six miles in three days. Nothing like a little bit of oxygen up at Elk Camp can't <laughs> right. cure, buddy. Yeah, so it, Chav really, uh, it, it's been uh, smashing it up here with us all and, week, and we didn't know if he was going to be here. That's right. So it was one of those things that, uh, I, I mean, I've seen Chav suffer some things, but never like that. And guys asked, "Is it going to be a camping for the first time in my life?" You know, I never said to him. But I had some doubts because uh, this guy's real important to me, and Amen. and uh, he was hurting, and managed to pull it together. Even under that, he was outside walking, he was outside shooting his bow, you know. <laughs> he was pretty much house ridden, and every half hour he'd get up and do something just to keep his strength up, you know, to be able to be here. And and luckily, man, we had a little bit of a turnaround, got him up to camp, and uh, you know, we were here, Gilbert. Yes, on September 1st, and we're going to go to what happened the night before that here in a minute, but we were up here on September 1st, and by, you guys were here on the 2nd. Second. Second, the 2nd. Second. So, I think in the first four days for us, we had a day, and if you put it together, we had a day and a half of hunting yep. because of all the issues and problems that we had up here, and you know, uh, we're going to talk about perseverance. We're going to talk about grit and stuff like Amen. that throughout what we're talking about. But, you know, a big part of that was uh, what was happening with him health-wise. Uh, we ended up making a trip to the hospital yes, sir. in a day. And so let's let's go let's go back, take it back, even <laughs> dial it back a little bit. August 31st, <laughs> uh, late. It's Actually, I, you know, I've got to come in, get my elk tags, stop there in uh, Las Vegas, New Mexico to get them and so much so many people have you know work good at walmart they're good folks and they took care of me got me out of there and uh i knew i had a tire problem uh been limping on it since san hone uh <laughs> won't be, give a shout out to that that town in new mexico uh but san hone uh left san hone knowing that i had a little little tire problem but i didn't know exactly how bad uh i got through Las Vegas and then between Las Vegas and Wagon Mound, uh, one of them decided to let go. Make a long story short, went into a, I thought was an abandoned gas station. I limped it on the rim. Didn't want to change it on the side of I-25. Uh, it wasn't an abandoned gas station. The whole town had a power outage. Yeah, and I get uh, a phone call. Yeah, and I called Joe. I said, Joe, I got a real problem here. I blowed the tire out. I got a spare, uh, like every good traveling guy would have. I got a spare, and but the problem was the lug nuts on the spare bracket have stripped so you can't get the spare off so i couldn't hold vice grips and the spare up and try to work the four way <laughs> so i called joe joe's about an hour and 15 minutes away and i got joe in route and meanwhile i got everybody and their dog stopping by to check me out in their hometown uh wanting to know what i was doing there you know well <laughs> i come from a place that's a little bit different and uh, you know, people that drive so you, up on you in the middle of the night. It was a little spooky. It I mean, was a little, that's yeah, right, a yeah, little at spooky first, yeah. Yeah, at first. On. And then, you know, the community turned out. I got to give a big shout out to, uh, what's the young? Mr. Cruz. Mr. Cruz. Got to give a big shout out to Mr. Cruz over there for getting me back on the road. Had a plasma cutter. We cut that dude off. Joe so came. And, this is 11 o'clock at night. Yes, sir. And understand this. I mean, oh. this is 
this is a small town, New Mexico, guys, and these are the kind of people you come across. And in all of our small communities within, gosh, an hour of each other around Cimarron, people are just like that. And Mr. Cruz comes up there, and uh, I, I came up, and he's like, Joe! And I was... Uh, yeah, everybody knows Joe. I mean, if you're from a, you know, 10-county area, square around here, they all know who Joe is. And, it, it, and, and he, he wouldn't take any money or anything. You and know. what time? It was like 11 o'clock at night. 11.30. And he yes, says, let's go over... Let's go over to my shop at 11 o'clock, 11.30 at yeah. night. And he's pulling out equipment. Plasma cutter. And cuts off that bolt. Gets We get the tire on, and we're back on the road. And back, back on the road. Get it, to my house at about 10 after 12, midnight right. there, right? Going up on the mountain the next morning. Horrible luck. Incredibly good luck, man. Those people were, were really there for him, you know. And, Absolutely. Uh, so we were able to... <clears throat> get up in the elk woods the next day it took us a while because you had some issues to square away with tires and you bet so had to make sure that we had the right kind of tires we went and ordered some so as we come off the mountain uh when we leave i'm actually gonna have five new tires from george but, huh? yeah from george in cimarron new mexico guys if y'all need any type of tire work or anything please go see uh george in cimarron he's a fantastic guy he's gonna get me hooked up uh you know that's not that's only the tip of the iceberg of what issues we had uh but you know that's how it started off for because you guys are getting all kinds of <laughs> texts from us about uh can you bring this can you bring and that? we're having issues as well yeah, yeah. <clears throat> okay so as everybody should know everything bad that happens at camp is manano's fault i saw it i so, saw it coming so uh, <laughs> you know i leave i leave katie texas at five o'clock in the morning tell manano i'm gonna be there at nine i sure get there at 8 58 and uh he opens the door and i walk into his room and he's actually starting to pack <laughs> i'm freaking out man I've, I've 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 been weeks in preparations for this I, my my truck was loaded and ready to go and all organized so i could leave on time and i show up and he's just packing right so uh, on manano's behalf <laughs> yes. got a new baby. Yes. Yes. he had a baby born how many yeah. days before yeah uh, 12 days 12 yeah. days before and the stuff that days. he was packing he could have packed nine months ago i was really busy sure. he, he was also, busy nine months yeah. ago he making also, a baby he also gets a trailer that he borrows from a friend of his right and uh, i sent him the information of the hitch i have in my car plus he asked me about the tires and then uh -huh. and then i told him about the tires i was like hey how are the tires looking we need Just to get some fine. spares everything is good don't worry about it i think it's all going to work out it's going to be good it's like dude are you sure make sure because them tires they ten have a tendency to blow up on the road <laughs> well we get there sure enough we couldn't we couldn't latch that trailer to my car so he's like don't worry about it i'll be right back i'm going to the auto zone and it'll be five minutes <laughs> manano doesn't have a sense of timeline <laughs> so I'm, I'm loading everything up i'm sweating already uh it's hot down in texas and i'm loading everything he comes back and all oh, see it's easy it's all good to go we're ready to go so anyway we got going as we get going we also realize we have the several other problems the, the cable from the trailer it wasn't yeah. long enough to reach the connection <laughs> at, the, at the vehicle so the point i want to make at this book yeah. at, at this is that yeah. we talk about failure points all the time <laughs> when you're when you're hunting That's and right. it seems like we we always start our failure points on the hunt yeah. yeah. Uh, so I think it's huge to talk about the fact that 
Man, you better check before, out those failure points ahead of time, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Before you, it's huge. Absolutely. Before you get yeah. started. Between yeah. the cable, the they lights. Were unforeseen. The issues. lights the lights were burned out. <laughs> Not anymore. We blew up Not a tire anymore. in the middle of the road, and all I did was I turned around and I looked at him. I told you. I told you. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Such help. So now we had to go and get spare tires and all of that. Anyway, it was so, very eventful. We left at 5 o'clock in the morning, made it to Springer at midnight but in in route on that uh meanwhile yes. back at the ranch over here yeah. at elk camp <laughs> right, right. we we get camp set up and so on september 1st day opening one day uh we head out in uh in the mule the kawasaki mule and uh gilbert um uh had had borrowed the mule so this is the first time taking it out right yeah. and uh, a big thank you to your cousin yeah for, for big, doing big that thank you big shout out to my cousin ty lothringer yeah letting me borrow his new fxt and, mule and uh we, so <laughs> it's it's a great machine and so we <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, really <laughs> so so we get started out and and here as we go, we're wanting to get into this area that we had checked out, and uh, but from the time we checked it out to now, because of all the moisture we had early in the spring, grass the grass was three foot high. You couldn't find the roads that you once could find. Not in the pitch and, black. And so we're out there in the pitch black, trying trying to find these roads and get to this area. And next thing we know, the lights are going off, the power steering's going out. And then, boom, dies <laughs> six miles from camp. And <laughs> some of the nastiest stuff you ever want to see now. I'm telling you, ain't nobody wanted to walk that far, right? And I got to tell you, man, I hunt with one of the baddest, I mean, talk about the elk daddy. There he is right there. One of the baddest dudes on the planet, man. You know, I, I, I go fight hell with a water pistol with this cat. I ain't lying. So at the end of the day, he manned up, decided, well, we broke down, you know. Uh, and we probably should have listened to the mule the first time it started giving us issues instead of pressing on another three miles. <laughs> we should have turned around and came back. But those are lessons learned. Uh, but Ch uh, Joe decided he's going to take off on foot and go back and get the four-wheeler, come rescue me and Chad or go get his truck, come back so we can pull the mule back. <clears throat> well, Chab and I sat there about an hour, seen a mule deer doe run in front of us and heard a bugle above us. And we're, you know, this is our opening morning, right? <laughs> so uh, we're a little perturbed, a little angry. And uh, anyway, I just decided, well, we're going to let this thing cool down and see what happens. I hit the key. Boom, it fires up. I tell yeah. the jab, get in, get in. We're not stopping until it blows up or we get to camp. You know? So, so I'm, I'm hiking cross country. He is. In my mind, I'm going, okay, so what do I do when I get there? I'm going to take the truck. Am I going to put a trailer? How am I going to tow it out? I mean, I'm working out every scenario in my head to be able to do this. And I'm about... Oh, 250 yards from camp. And uh, uh, a buddy of mine uh, drives up upon me in, in, a, uh, in, in another UTV. Right. And we start having a conversation. I tell the story about the breakdown, blah, blah, blah. And, and, and he goes, well, he says, uh, I, I think we're going to go ahead and head back. And he turned, you want to ride? And I was like, well, I'm pretty close, but heck yeah, man. I've already been hiking for quite a bit. So we come around. And... Right outside of camp over here, yeah, you, you can't see camp till you come past these trees, right? Right. We come past the trees. I'm sitting in the back end of the UTV, you know, with the tailgate down. And 
as I come, I look in the camp, and there's two fellas sitting in my camp. And my head is just not registering, man. It's like, who's in camp? And then I look over there, and I see Chav's face with a big old smile on it. And honest to God, I, I, I couldn't process it. I'm like, well, I just left these boys broke down, man. How, how, a long way from here. A long way from here. And they're sitting in camp, man. And then when I saw them there, and I saw the 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 the, the UTV mule. here, the mule, I was like, yes! <laughs> I was like, thank God. I was so happy. But it took, I was like in shock for a for second. Sure. I, I couldn't put two and two together for a second. It was one of them Twilight episodes. Yeah, and then you, know? you guys started asking for the batteries, batteries. And, right. and your converter and all that stuff. So yeah. obviously Jesus. that's all mixing in with the stuff we're dealing As with. you're traveling, get, you're getting text. We need a new battery, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we, we did some talking on the phone to my cousin. I mean, he runs a, a real big car shop there in Houston, Skeeter's Auto Service. So Ty's real accustomed to dealing with these kinds of things. I called him on the phone. And he said, look, man, you know, a lot of times these batteries just go bad. You know, get you a battery and try that out. We tried that out. Joe went and got his, his voltmeter, and we just weren't getting any voltage back in it. So we called Hester's in New Mexico. So, but this is... This is that now. Yeah, that's exactly. So that's two days. Right. Later. We yeah. we lost our afternoon. We couldn't go anywhere. That's right. Right. So on day one of our hunt, we got zero hunting time in. Right. And we're communicating back yeah. and forth. I mean, Walmart guys. with a tape measure sending Gilbert yeah. pictures. <laughs> that's right. Of, of the dimensions of the battery, just right. to make sure that we had the battery. Yeah. That's the, right. the importance of it was the fact that the the mule was going to take three people somewhere. Right. And then we had a. Two more vehicles to take three other people. Right. Without the mules, there's three people walking out of camp every day. So right. So it was really big to get that fixed. Yeah. So you guys roll in on September 2nd. Second. Yeah. Well, Midday. And we're supposed to hunt on opening morning. And you roll in with a battery. We put the battery inside the vehicle. This is September 2nd. It cranks up, and Gilbert's like, yeah. And I was like, I don't know, buddy. I've heard that sound before. <laughs> and, and then it went out. So we're all pumped. We're all excited. And and uh, we go out. We had to go to your camp. Yes. So, correct. So yeah. the so, morning of September 2nd, we actually used the four-wheelers. We used the four-wheelers to, to try to get our morning hunt in. And you guys are we, coming in on the second, yeah, right? Yeah, and I weren't here yet. Yeah, right. none of you guys were and, here and, yet. Right. And, and, and you guys were all meaning to come in and, and, and drive all the way into camp. Uh, I know it's a long way to get to, to get in. So, uh Joe, one of the first things we really like to do is do our shout-outs, too. We hadn't, oh, we we hadn't, hadn't got done to that, done that, do that. Yeah. Well, I got started off on the wrong foot for those for our guys out there. Sorry about that. But I'd like to do the, a personal uh, shout-out. All of us can do personal shout-outs. I'm going to lead it off. Okay. I'd like to give a personal shout-out to my hometown, Shiro, Texas, in the house. Uh, Shiro was established in 1902 by some farming community families. Uh, it sits in Grimes County. Uh, the land of milk and honey and uh, it's actually uh, one of the first towns that started cattle and cotton import on the railway system. If you've ever been to, to Shiro, Texas, you know it's between College Station and Huntsville, Texas on Highway 30 and there's a big curve in the road called Dead Man's <laughs> Curve with an, railroad tracks that, that almost cut right in the middle of that curve. Oh, so wow. uh, that farming community really helped out with the cattle transportation right. and the cotton transportation back in the early 1900s. So a big shout out big to? Big shout out to Shiro, Texas. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome, man. 
Hey, Brandon, we're going to let you go now, man. Oh, it's my turn? Yes, yes sir. <laughs> Following Gilbert's a tough thing. <laughs> um, all right, I'd like to give a shout out to, to my hometown, um, Little Steel Town in western Pennsylvania. Uh, it was rumored when we were growing up, at least, that it had the most bars and churches per capita in the United States. I'm not sure if I could really validate that. That's awesome. But <laughs> it don't matter. It's back like, now. It's, it's back, back now. now, right? right. If you hear it on the internet, it's true. Exactly. <laughs> um, but I'd like to give a big Elk Bro shout out to Farrell, Pennsylvania, and the rest of my friends in the Shenango Valley. Awesome, man. Awesome, bud. Cool. Yeah, I cool hope you guys were listening to that. Farrell. Luis. Right. Well, off, Luis. <clears throat> Luis. Since we're all talking about hometowns, I'm going to give a shout out to my hometown, uh, Barquisimeto. Um, Barquisimeto is the capital city of the state of Lara in Venezuela. Uh, it's got approximately about 800,000 inhabitants. I'm, I'm sorry, actually close to 900,000 inhabitants. Um, it's known as the musical capital of Venezuela, and its actual full name is Nueva, Nueva Segovia de Barquisimeto. And it was actually founded in 1552 uh, by Juan de Villegas. So two very important key dates of the city. Um, 1979. The infamous cat caller, Luis Gonzalez, was born in this. <laughs> <laughs> right. and then, and then, we'll take that stamp off of you, yeah. brother. You're a real elk caller yeah. now, brother. So, oh, my so, sir. And then, 1982, oh. the cat uh, it was an absolutely awesome year. Manano, Mr. Manuel Graterón, was born, and that's the day that everybody was released of any fault because now everybody <laughs> is his fault. So, shout out to my people and to Manano's people also in Barquisimeto. Oh, everybody in Venezuela, we want y'all to know that y'all are all in our prayers. Yes. Amen. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Manano. I guess it's my turn. Yes, sir. Well, uh, I would like to give a shout out to my uh, fellow Venezuelans. Uh, they are having a difficult situation yes, down there and uh, uh, I mean it's been a horrible horrible time for Venezuelans and my family still there and we are running out of uh, food and supplies and uh, there is a huge political situation horrible political situation but I would like to send some strength and, and good vibe from El Camp. Amen. 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 Awesome. Yeah. Well said. And there we go man and you know uh, so it's not just a shout out it's but a, but prayers and and actually, you know, if anybody's involved, uh, you you can give prayers or you can act. And if anybody out there is in any point of power, uh, and and you know, actions could be anything by just showing your support, just like Manano just did right now, um, helping out in situations, uh, uh, sending letters to congressmen, to to government, uh, sending aid if possible. And, and getting involved and yeah. uh, you know there's people all over this world that are in a struggle and that's why here we are sitting here right now and sometimes it's hard to keep things in perspective like that while there's so many here. people suffering that's that's, exactly right. Right. Yeah. that's, that's, that's right. exactly that's right. amazing being so, up here yeah, yeah. so uh, big shout out to them man and uh, and sending all of our positive vibes that we can so uh, thanks well, I think I'm going to give a shout out to uh, Portales, New Mexico. Oh, that's my uh, the home of the Eastern New Mexico University Greyhounds. That's my alma mater. 
Awesome. And at one time it was the capital, the peanut capital of the world. And I'm not sure if it still is. <laughs> I know there's a sign outside of town that says, Welcome to Portalis, uh, home of 10,000 friendly people and one old fart. <laughs> <laughs> so shout out to Portalis, New Mexico. Yeah. Oh, and uh, with that, I, I'm not going to let him avoid this. Uh, Chab's going to be making a trip to Portalis um, in uh, October 11th. Uh, he is going to be inducted into Eastern New Mexico's Hall of Fame. That's so wow. Congratulations. Great job, Chad. And and so well deserved. So my shout out, my shout out's going to man, I tell you, it's uh it's a little old town and uh uh it, this is actually where all of my hunting began. Uh it began um chasing uh bullfrogs with my bow hunting squirrels you know i i uh, had a stepdad that introduced me to the outdoors we lived out in podunk usa in the middle of nowhere uh, hunted in swamps uh we ate frog legs every friday night squirrel every saturday um if you found uh, uh an animal uh, a coon or a bobcat or something hit on the side of the road well you grab that sucker skin it out took it down to the fr fur trader right. and uh, that's how you got some extra money if you weren't trapping them yeah. and uh, so we had one little ice cream place and it, it, it's in um, Curta County uh, and I, I'd like to give a big shout out to Moyock North Carolina where it all started, you know, that's where a, a kid got to experience the outdoors. You never knew anything about, you know, you hunted, you fished, and uh, and family was huge. And that's the same things I still carry with me. Today. So awesome, man. Thank you all for all the personal shout-outs. It's really important that we keep that up. So uh, we, we're out hunting with all this bad luck that has happened, opening morning, and... Uh, we go into our area that we intend to hunt, and the the moment we start bugling, we start calling in another hunter. No doubt. Right? Yep. Uh, turns out that the hunter's the same buddy of mine that picked me up. Gave him a ride. <laughs> gave me a ride. Uh, it was Pat Lovato, and uh, Pat's a tremendous person. And what was so cool, and, and I wanted all you guys out there, all you dads, um, your son, your daughter, you know, Man, pass it on because Pat had little Patrick out there with him. Ten years old, man. Yeah. Eleven. You better give him that year. He'll be Sorry, upset. That's right. Yeah. Eleven years old, out <laughs> humping it with Dad, learning how the woods. Right. Learning the elk woods. It touched me. It really did. So we had a conversation, and uh, I said, "Well, where? What's your plan, Pat?" And he says, "Well, we think we're going to head back." And we had seen a bull that it, when we put on a show that morning and called, and Pat came in from behind us. Uh, he, there was a bull that jumped and kind of went up on a ridge with some cows. And so he said he was going. I said, we said, well, we're just going to go right up this ridge. And this ridge wasn't 200 yards away. That's right. From where we have been talking with another hunter. And, and the reason I think that's important is because a lot of people say when there's hunters in an area, right. they just think it's all blown out, right? Very true. In fact, we came across two other hunters that, that got out of the area yeah. as well. They didn't want to have a conversation. I'm, I'm not sure why, yeah. but they didn't. Right. And uh, Best of luck to them. Yeah. And uh, so we start up the ridge. And as we're just before we even get to the ridge, what did that, what did we hear? <laughs> that bugle up there, yeah. right? We hear a big bugle up in front of us. 
And uh, Joe, just we just sat down and put on a show, you know. Big bugle up in front of us, so we're kind of easing in. Got the wind right. Uh, we're easing in, me, Chav, and Joe. And I happened to turn and look to my right, and there are three bulls looking at us at about 60 yards, and they are staring at us. And Joe and Chav are in front of me, and I'm like, you know, Joe, yeah. I cow called, and they kind of boogered. They really didn't know what we were. Uh, I'm really sure we had the wind on our we side because yeah. we were circling already. Right, we had the wind, and you know the bulls kind of boogered, and they saw them. And uh, you know Joe's like, "Man, did they booger all the way?" I said, "No, they're actually coming back." So Joe does what he does best, and I mean he's one of the best elk callers in the world. Absolutely. I kind of got a little co uh, call there to get them stopped, turn them around, and Joe did what he did best. I want to tell you that predator decoy is the bomb, right? If Joe yeah, pops oh, out. Yes. Joe yeah. pops out the decoy. Them dudes see that decoy, and here they came marching. See, generally, into us. generally when when you booger some animals, and and you're even able to stop them, they just got this nervous thing going on about it. So, it, and it's difficult to bring them back in. It can be done. We've done it before. Yes, but at the my mind was going, okay, we got some nervous elk. They know that there's something there. They're not sure, right. uh, but they're going to want some affirmation. I was like. You know what? This is time for ultimate predator decoy, man. So I popped that thing out, put it on the front of the bow, Amazing. picked it up there, and you know, started cow calling a little bit, and here they come. You know, <laughs> on a string, man. I'm like, <laughs> we're gonna triple right here. All three of these bulls are fixing to get the missile, right? I mean, serious business. I, I have this thing when Joe and I and Chad are in the woods. We just feel like we're gonna if we see an elk. They're in real trouble, right? So we've really felt like we're going to at least get two or three of those out of all three. You know, it, you know? It, at that point, I'm having fun because I'm like, you know, honestly, we shouldn't get an opportunity here, right? Yeah. I mean, we, these we bulls spotted us, yeah, right. should be blown. So when I pop up the ultimate decoy, those bulls start coming in, and they stop and stare for a second. And, and Lance, who used to own, Lance has just sold his company to a, a tremendous person and uh you know lance had said you know reach up and give that ear a tap man just give it a little flick there so that bull that bull staring at me and it's two rag horns there was a bigger bull that was back in the back but let me tell you y'all <laughs> with all the luck and everything that we had been going through all the discouragement that we've been going through the last thing i was going to do was worry about what size bull it was i was like buddy uh, if a dumb one comes in, shame on him, right? Absolutely. <laughs> so, it's always the case. It, it wasn't yeah. just because of all the discouragement. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's always the case yeah. for us, really. It is it's for just me. whatever. Yeah. If a bull out, comes yeah. in, it's it's, it's going yes, down, sir. right? Yes, and so uh, these no two raghorns, right. <laughs> these two raghorns come by, and they are staring at the decoy, walking by, and, and you know a lot of people worry about them coming head on. But we had the wind, and these guys came in and started to circle to try to scent check what was going on. And when they did that, they're at 20 yards, right? 20 yards. Well, so (laughs) I want you to know that at 20 yards, I go to draw, and if you've never, you got to practice this with that decoy. Because I had my arms down low, and when I went to draw, I came up too quick, bringing that decoy from low to high. And, and it boogered them. And they, they kind of jumped. They didn't expect that movement real quick at them. Jumped and started going. And I cow called. 
and they were like walking and starting to stop there. So here's something to think about. I'm an instinctive shooter. And first time I look through that window, and I keep both eyes open, and they're now at 30 yards. I pull back, I look at the kill, and I let fly, and perfectly dead center, a tree about this big. <laughs> big, bright, luminox. I don't have a luminox, dude. <laughs> no, that was the other one. Yeah, yeah. So if you're an instinctive shooter uh, and you keep two eyes open, uh, and if you've never done it, you actually have, when you when you look at something, when you look at an arrow in front of you, you actually have two, two. images. Yes. And yeah. Because of the window and the way I was looking through that, I looked at the wrong tip of the arrow, and I shot to that side, <laughs> just like my other eye was seeing Clang. instead of my dominant eye, and I pegged that tree. Well, they go to run off we cow when I call. hit that. We cow call. Yep. They stop 50 yards out, yep. right? So this time, I, I've learned two lessons. Number one, have your decoy up, draw straight back. Number two, yeah, I got to get my depth perception right, and know where they're at yeah. and look at the look at my arrow. But correctly. that tree didn't go anywhere, yo. What's that? Yeah, the tree <laughs> that didn't tree go, didn't go anywhere. That tree didn't. Go. That tree stopped. It's important to bring that up too. It wasn't a full miss. <laughs> no, no, that, that tree's dead as a bag of yeah. rail right yeah. now, man. So though, that bull is standing out there, fifty yards, and he has a. He has a rock 20 yards in front of him, between him and me, and that rock, the top of that rock, is going perfectly where I want that kill shot to be. So if you guys shoot 3Ds and stuff like that and you understand your arrow flight, I know exactly where I got to aim and I know exactly what trajectory I'm going to get. So the first thing I do is I move the decoy a little to the side so I can look and get my depth perception to know it's 50 yards. Then I pull back straight and I let fly. Now I'm instinctive so I don't think a whole lot. And I hear that right away. And when I hear that shot and it takes off, I look back at Gilbert and I'm like, because I couldn't see the arrow. And I said, did you see it? And he's like, it's yeah, in, bud. He's got it. Yeah. 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 And I thought it might be a touch low, but it was just the blood running down its side. Mm -hmm. And uh, I told him, I said, that money, dude, money. And, and you're going to hear this a lot in this podcast. If you have not looked at where we talk about shot placement, look at it. Mm -hmm. This arrow hits in that spot and I actually saw the bull go down yes we did 30 yards from where I hit him yep and I mean he goes down and dies two minutes less than two minutes he's dead right dead. graveyard dead and I'm talking <laughs> but and you know I'm getting ready to celebrate and uh, you know I pull back that ultimate decoy and I'm pointing at it and I'm going yeah buddy man that was cool you know <laughs> exactly and uh, and I was getting ready to go after the hill and Gilbert's like chow, 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 chow. and dumb and dumber's coming back <laughs> <laughs> I get on the cow call he's coming back right and he just couldn't take that old Woodrow's down over there <laughs> Frazier is down right <laughs> and he comes up there and looks at him and he's like man what is up it really, he did not like it. We we actually had him, I had him at about 83 yards at one time, broadside. But, you know, first day, probably not the best shot for me to take. So he quartered to me, at one time he quartered to me at about 53. But I don't like the quarter two shot, so we passed. And uh, we knew Joe had his bull down. And it was, uh, 
it was a joyous occasion. We went to high-fiving, and, man, it was awesome, dude. Just be able to experience. It's my first it's my first time to ever hunt opening day. These guys allowed me to come up and, you know, try to get things right for everybody coming into camp and, you know, be able Thank to hunt. Thank goodness we did, man. Be able to hunt with two of the finest gentlemen in New Mexico uh, that are just unbelievable elk hunters and un- unbelievable people. So I appreciate it, Joe. It was, it was yeah. awesome to be part of that. Oh, and, yeah. And was... we get to elk camp, and so the news is, the instructions are, get ready. <laughs> We're going to go and pack a packing out that's what's so cool about the guys we ride the river with you talk you know joe and i talk about this all the time on on past podcasts about who you ride the river with and and you know we're gonna get into it a little more but these guys all will ride the river with you to the bitter end i'm gonna tell you last night was from <laughs> um, these guys there is definite mutual respect love and admiration so that, for each one of that them, was september 5th Right. Uh, last night, so everybody can put this in perspective. Right. This is September second, right? It, and they yeah. all come down, converge on that elk, and we knocked him out. Oh my gosh! Like it, that, you know, maybe uh, that, that should have been illegal, man, because <laughs> it, it was too easy. It, it was not. Uh, it, you don't want to say it wasn't work, but it was right. nothing like the work we usually go through no with doubt. with six fellas there to huh. to chip in. Uh, all with the packs, we had all the freighter packs ready. Yeah, yeah. And everything kind of fell into place. Everybody, without even talking about it, kind of took on a task. Right. Right. The, and the it place. was just so easy. It, yeah. it, it just all came together. Everybody knew what they were doing. And, it, you know, we kind of came up with a little system. And I, in no time, we were good to go. Yeah. I think the point of all this is what I want our Elk Bros uh, followers out there to understand is the PMA, positive mental attitude, and really not letting anything get in in your head that, because you are hunting public land and you encounter people, uh, encounter other hunters, it let that spins you out. Or anything other than what you can control spins you out. You just got to put your head down and keep rolling. Well, because guys, it didn't. It didn't stop there. Uh-uh. You know. No, be, it didn't. Not uh, at all. Not no, at all. but you you started us off in a positive way because I mean we got into camp. We're going to get we're going to get an elk before yeah. we even got our. Before we even got our tent set up, right? You know, yeah. so it's like, all yeah. right, this is going to yeah, be awesome. Yeah, conver- we got a convergent yeah. storm well, coming yeah. on us. Yeah, These guys are having to set camp up in a, in a storm. still setting up his. So, and as the timeline goes, um, we get that elk in. We get a, a, a battery put in the mule um, so that uh, we believe that that's running well, right? Yeah. And so we decide on what we're going to do the opening morning of, of the third, and uh, opening morning for you guys, mm-hmm. right? So you guys proceed, and when I say you guys, so it was it was Gilbert, Brandon, and Chav go to go to Plan A, one of the areas that we had looked at, and then Luis Manano and myself went to Area B to go check that out uh, for the morning hunt, and. Um, that morning, everybody, uh, I, I don't know, what what was the, what happened in your adventure on that? Well, we got up there, the, the mule started acting up again. And died run on that, your... Run that battery mm-hmm. down again, and we we had to wait on it a little while, same thing, you know. So we figured it was the alternator. You know? Right. Well, yeah. we, we hunted, and we ended up, you called in one, but he saw us before we saw it. Right, right. And that was that was about the morning. Yeah. And, and then and, the mule started laughing. And on up our morning, we got into four nice bulls. Right. Um, I mean, Luis 
was I mean it just took five yards more it, the the yeah, ball they were about 55 60 yards from and, but without a shot opportunity Correct. feeding our way actually Correct. and uh wind shift yeah well. wind shifted on us and you know that's elk hunting right no doubt but we saw four really nice bulls and and then we decided to go on a nature hike it, it was one of the hottest days yes oh, yeah. that we've had I mean it was incredibly hot it's been unseasonably warm it's been yeah. Hot yeah. very very hot time. So when we get back to camp, Chav has taken a dive for the worse. And he's uh, basically an anaphylactic shock. Yeah. The night before, uh, we had an incredible meal that Manano and Luis had made. It, it was delicious, it was fantastic. <laughs> it's Manano's uh, fault. But it included seafood <laughs> and shrimp in it. And unbeknownst to us, because it's never happened before, in the condition that Chav's body was in, he actually had an allergic reaction to the shrimp that we didn't know what was going on. This guy broke out in a... Hives. In high, well, we rash. didn't know what it was, man. I mean, he had this rash all over his body. Uh, he couldn't hardly breathe. That's yeah. toe. Uh, Good talk. He was shaking. He couldn't talk. Scared Fever. the crap out of me. He was pretty hot when I thought. Yeah. Right. You know, shake, shook his sure. hand, too. And, and, I mean, he was, he was really hot, yeah, right? Yeah. And I know he had fever. Mm -hmm. And then Gilbert's got... The mule has broke down again. And it was either play with that battery all along, or he gives a call in to a, a town, a local town, and uh, in and, yeah, that we had to drive a ways to get to. It took a few hours to get out of out of the woods and everything, get down there. But uh, we had it worked out that I said, "Man, we're going home." So we went home that evening. We did, and. Uh, I was really worried about Chav, and uh, we took him to the house, made sure I could keep an eye on him, and we made plans for the next morning. And you were at, you were trying to get the vehicle fixed in that town, and I took Chav to the hospital. Well, let me tell you, those guys at Hester's, if y'all are ever in need up there around Raton, they're great people. Call Chris over there at Hester's; he'll get your vehicle in there and looked at. It. And I told him. That if he got me to the front line, get me back up here to Elk Camp, that my next uh, UTV would be bought from Hester's, and I meant that. So, yeah. uh, big shout out to Hester's and their group over there. And Chav and I are over at the hospital at Chav that time. And, Chav and, and Joe are at the hospital. And we're getting, oh, so stepping back, you know, as I'm leaving, that means that Chav's not here to guide, that means I'm not here to guide. Yeah. So, you guys were going to go out, they were going to go out on their own the next morning. In, in an area that actually, they, no, actually, we actually the, 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 went on that, oh, afternoon that afternoon that you guys there. went down to oh, town. Okay. Right. Yeah, that same afternoon. That's correct. And, yeah, because uh, you got that text from uh, got the bear, Luis the bear. Romano about the bear. He showed the bear. That's yeah. right. You guys had uh, had hit a bear that evening. right? On Joe's kill. And so the next day you guys were going to go in because it was at night. And we said, do not go following that bear at night. So you guys went out the next morning. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I got to tell you. You didn't have to tell us It didn't. You know, we had a conversation about this. Right, you know, it right. was it was hard for all of us. The three of us were were dwelling over this because it didn't feel right. You right. know, it just it, we didn't want to, to go stay hunt. in camp and go hunt because we knew what the team was going through. Right, right, right. and right. and it just didn't feel right. You know, and Brendan actually said something that uh, you know, Joe had a, a messed up move to to choose the right words there to say that <laughs> when you actually told us that. We had to go hunting because that's what we could do for you guys yeah, to right. make you guys feel no, better. No, that's absolutely that's right. right. We did. You know, when we were leaving to take Chav out, there was such a. Uh, yeah, you guys don't know how much love there is in this camp, and yeah. uh, and I and I I say that, um, 
meaning it totally and uh, and uh, the friendships and the bonds that are here and these guys were so concerned about Chav and his health that the last thing that they wanted to do that evening was I mean go you guys on, wanted yeah. to go with us and yeah and uh, the last thing you guys wanted to do was hunt and you know the thing I tried to tell them was is for them to miss out and not do that would have made him feel worse would have made me feel worse and you know I went to Luis who Luis has really been working hard on being a student with me on learning how to call Amen. working on elk behavior you know, I've been so proud of him and, and basically went to him and said dude it's time you got this yep. you know uh, I, I've heard it all you're ready to go and I went to you I went to you Brandon I said Man, you guys are gonna be fine. This guy's got it. Well, so, we we essentially felt guilty going out yeah, yeah. while you guys were yeah, dealing yeah. with all the oh, issues yeah, and Chad sure. was but, under the weather, and then you flipped the script. You felt threw a guilt trip on us. Like, <laughs> if you don't go out, <laughs> we're gonna feel bad. Yeah, exactly. like, all right. I guess we we looked at each you other. You know and what? Said, all right, I, well, I, I we gotta go. I come from a sports background, and you know when you're on a team and you have a teammate that goes down. It sucks, right? And you all feel for it, right? Next man up. Next man up. Step up. Yeah, so that means it's time for somebody else to step up and fill in the shoes. And Luis did. And and Luis did. And uh, that's how how we think about stuff. You know, we don't want anybody wallowing in pity for us. Uh You know, the the, the day that you throw dirt on this man, you better be celebrating, man. Absolutely. You know, that's how I feel about it. So... Here we are. We're down at the hospital, and we're getting texts about uh, called in bear a bull, hit, bulls. Uh, shots missed on bulls. Yeah, you know, exactly. Like that. Calling in bulls. <laughs> Calling yeah, in yeah, bulls. Yeah. Luis yeah. gets to call in his first, first bull. That was man. the, the, the yeah. following morning. Yeah, exactly. morning. Right, morning. the following morning. I missed. That's okay. You, you missed I how mean, many times? Twice. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hit a leaf. I hit a leaf. Yeah. So you hit twice. something, right? Yeah. Twice. So, twice. <laughs> so call in the same boy three times. Me. So I guess that counts as three. <laughs> three bulls. And, yeah. and then three misses. Yeah, well, I had, but, a, I had a range finder malfunction. Yeah. Yeah. But but the point, was, the, the point was, and it, it all, it, it was, we had such a good time because... We were in a positive attitude. The guys yeah. understood that, you know, it was my first time that I don't have the, the skill sets that you guys do. I, I'm learning. And they were all cool with it. And it just somehow, it, the three of us worked through it together. And it was always in, in the best, you know, disposition, you know. Sure. And we were all extremely happy. I was like, oh, my God, we've had so much fun last night and this morning and we weren't expecting that to be and had a great experience had a great experience you know and that's that's part that's all about it you know you go out with some confidence you go out excited and and you just let it roll and and that's what you did and you said something that i want to make sure because that's a failure point that a lot of guys don't realize you know guys get so dependent on range finders that you know and we're going to talk about your bull but uh you know, Brandon clicks off, and his rangefinder tells him how far? It said 45. 45 yeah. yards. So he shoots it for 45. Well, I, I, I looked at it, and I thought, no. And I clicked again, and it said 46. And I said, all right, I can do this. Pulled back, fired. That arrow looked great. And then it just dropped off the planet. It just disappeared <laughs> straight between its legs. You know. So... And what happened was that bull was standing at 70 yards. The bull was at 70. And and 
And that's the thing with the rangefinder, y'all, is that you still have to practice knowing your distances. Because right. one thing Brandon could have done is, is when he clicked that off, said, no, no, no way. Well, and that's what I thought originally, but yeah. it was in that dark timber, and there were so right. many patches of dark light, dark light, dark and light. It's hard to and judge that. Heat of, depth and you're in perception. the heat of the moment, too. Yeah, sure. I mean, everything is going through your mind at that point that you're like... At that point, you just kind that of range finder to try to work like, I can do this, but yeah. you know, and that bull was in the in the sun at that point, yeah. right? So he looked like a giant <laughs> beacon, and I put my pin on him. I was like, I'm used to shooting deer. It seemed reasonable, you know, right. for the size versus where the right. the pins right. were. And I fired off, and I felt great until that arrow just kept dropping. <laughs> Gravity I didn't, took I didn't hear a thud, and I'm like, yeah. I should have heard something. But we now. heard a, we heard a thud, yeah. but then you know, we we I'm like, we're we're done. We got something here. Right. Yeah. And, but it was actually, it went under ground. the ground, in, into the ground, and hit the tree underneath the, from underneath the ground. And it sounded like it hit an animal. Right. I was like, oh, that was a good hit. Yeah. But, uh, was no, it was, a, it was a fun morning. You know, go back to, remember that time that uh, you were rangefinder before? And uh, not not last night, but there was another no, time you were rangefinder last before. Last year, yeah. Yeah, last year. Yeah, last year, Gilbert said. Gilbert was at full draw, weren't you? Yeah, full draw. And he said, what's the range? And I clicked, and I go... 17. And I kept clicking. <laughs> and Gilbert's saying, what is it? What is it? What is it? And I'm clicking, because all I'm seeing is 13. And I know he's over 40. So I kept clicking, and finally uh, we hit a 47, and Gilbert said, yeah, that's it. <laughs> so yeah, he was 57 I, yards. But, but he knew... He knew not to trust the distance he saw because it wasn't in the ballpark that he thought it yeah, was. Right. You know, so yeah, but thirteen is a little bit for, for yeah, me. Sure. If it was thirteen, <laughs> I promise you, I wouldn't. I knew when Chav told me, you know, thirteen, seventeen. I'm like, that bull's standing dang near 55, 60 right. yards. Yeah. I'm thinking right, and he he clicks off again. He's fifty-seven. I'm like, perfect. Center my sixty-yard pin right where I like it to be. Touched it off. And the rest was history. And, right? you know, I think that's something that most, most people, when they get their range finder, they're out there ranging stuff in perfect conditions. Mm -hmm, you know, true. I think it's important to, to do some walks through the woods and start range finding different things and well, see what can happen. Joe, one of the things I, I like to do, especially when we get set up in our in our V-shape. Right, right. right. Uh, flying V or however mm -hmm. you call it, right? So I like to, once I get to the spot where I know I'm going to be sitting at, I start looking at my different lanes, shooting right. lanes, and then I start ranging some of the trees and getting mm -hmm. kind of in my mind a little. Because at that moment, man, you're, you're, you you're know, emo you're excited. You're, you know, you don't kind of think about these things, and you don't want to be ranging an animal what it's coming at you, and then putting the range finder down and trying to right. trying to draw and shoot. Exactly. Turn you down. You know, it, it usually helps kind of give you a mental map of of right. your distances around you before an animal comes in. And I kind of compare that rangefinder mm -hmm. to some of the issues we've been having as cameramen, you know, with the focus. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of times when you're trying to to get a picture of something, that focus easy to, easy to hit a limb and it, yeah, it, it like mm -hmm. sees something else yeah. and 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 it goes in and out. Yeah. So, that's just something important for for everybody to remember. Uh uh so you guys can see how how we started off, and mm -hmm. and it was kind of interesting because Chav is we're getting all these texts about you guys and and the misses and everything like that. And Ch Chav, I haven't seen Chav. He's in the emergency room, 
hospital with a doctor, and all of a sudden I see a text come out to you guys saying uh, something about the 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 misses. You I know, took one, and he says team. I took one in the butt, and she didn't miss. Got him a good, got him a good steroid shot, and y'all looked. He's back up here at Elk Camp, stomping it out with us every day. So we're yeah, glad to have him back. What helped a lot too was the fact that. Uh, I was getting a lot of positive reinforcement from, you know, you guys actually sure. doing what you guys could do right. and weren't sure you could do it, you know, yeah. by yourselves. And that was amazing. It was yeah. a breath of fresh air coming to camp and seeing yeah. Chaff here right. again. Yeah. Right. You know, awesome. I was I was concerned that Chaff wasn't going to we come were. back. And when we, I, we saw him here, we were excited. Yeah, Absolutely. everybody. You know, I had, I had people... That uh, he didn't that just come back, man. He, he stomped out the next morning as strong as ever, man. Yes, it was yeah. awesome to watch. Yeah, no, it's been. It's funny because I talk about, you know, I I know Chav as Chav, and and so when I saw him ill like that, that is not the man I know. Sure, and that's what made me concerned. So, uh, I'm so glad. Uh, we all are. Yeah, yeah. And, and and we know that we're we're not completely out of the woods. You know, he's got some tests and some doctors to talk to still. But uh, he's up in the elk woods. Yeah, and, and he, he stood right there. beside me last woods. night. So with that, I I what I'd like to do at this time, guys, is this is our group. This no is doubt. our elk bros group. And uh, but will. You're getting ready to be part of the Elk Bros group. You're going to be in camp with us. You might not be here physically, but... Uh, Mr. Will I, Peterson. Will Peterson. And and we got a letter. We got an Elk Bros letter from, <coughs> from Will. And, uh, and and I really wanted to use that because there, there was a lot of things to talk about. He's had a great story. And basically his letter had said that uh, last elk season, um, he had hunted his first time uh, DIY archery. And shot a bull shot a bull and and described it as hit him in the boiler room and uh when he went to track it they tracked that bull for 850 yards and ended up losing the bull and there's a few things in in this story that really struck me um first of all we're, we're going to talk about this part of it that you know he said that that really not retrieving that bull bothered him. Oh, bothered him to the point that it sounded like he wasn't going to hunt again. Sure. And uh, and I'm going to talk to about the next part after we deal with this. Uh, you know, the fact that I, all of us, I, I don't know if all of you guys have lost. Manano, I know you're 100% though on elk, but I don't, on no, other but animals. Not in deep white tailed deers and cocks. <clears throat> yeah. And <laughs> so all of us know what it's like to lose yes. an animal. Oh, yeah, it's, it's horrible. And it's, uh, yeah, and I mean it's it, part it, of bow hunting, though. Yeah, and, you know you 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 do everything you can. We train extremely hard. We shoot a lot. These guys are all excellent shooters. Uh, they're all excellent at punching holes, um, and you know we we talk about it religiously about shot placement. Guys, if you if you really want to understand elk's anatomy and where to put an elk down, y'all go watch our sh- our podcast on shot placement. It is excellent. spot on and excellent, right? So and, there have been four bulls killed this week. And, this week in three days, every single bull that was shot was shot with our shot placement. Every single bull has died in under two minutes. Some of them within twenty to thirty seconds. And they had, the furthest an animal went was probably mine at 30 yards. Right. 
the rest of them. Yours last night died in 10 yards to 15 yards. Uh, your bull went down uh, about 30 yards, 30, right? 30 yards. Uh, yeah, uh, about like that. Yeah. And, and your bull was probably 30, not 30, 30 yards, yards, right? 35. Yeah, there. And, but died within seconds. Your bull died within 20 seconds. Yes, we yeah. watched him, with Luis's bull. We watched him roll. Yours might have been within a minute because we heard it crashing, right? Like that. But that is the type of clean, ethical kill that that we want and why we preach that shot placement. I mean, uh, and we're going to talk about about yours and all you guys' bulls here in a few minutes. But last night, you had a quartering to you for over four minutes. Absolutely. And never took that shot and waited till that bull got broadside. Had a frontal, too. Yeah. Had a frontal for a good two two minutes with him bugling in our face. Unbelievable, epic video of all of it. The cameraman and the caller, Joe Gillia, right here. Uh, but, yeah. And, and I chose to pass that shot because I knew the bull was going to have to move one way or the other. And if he'd give me that... That broadside shot. Right. It's all about being patient, Joe, that, that, and picking your yeah, shot so, and your angle right. So right. agree 100%. So two things I think Will's bringing up, right? And, One, and I wanted to come to you on, on this, so go yeah. ahead. One is is the emotional roller coaster. Right. Yeah. And and two is shot placement and angles, right? Right. And, and with regards to the emotional roller coaster, um, I've been there more times than I would like to. It was right? our first hunt together. Our first hunt together with elk, and mm-hmm. we've had that with hogs before, but uh, with elk, um, you know, had a shot that I thought it looked good. In my mind, I thought it was a little high, but it's still a good shot that I thought it was, you know, like he would say, uh, Will would say in the in the pump station, you know, or right. out of the boiler room, right? And, uh, man, we, we waited. Uh, we applied the Second rule of Beto, which is wait, you know, at least two hours, you mm-hmm. know, and then before you go and check the arrow. Found the arrow, good penetration, good blood. Blood everywhere. Started tra- uh, uh, tracking this bull. I mean, it was like somebody was throwing buckets of blood, and you could see even a little bit of uh, uh, foam in some of the blood, too. Joe asked me for the phone, and he started recording because he was expecting me to, oh my to, gosh. to go okay. into this. So, uh, so I, I'm just interject that i got to see the shot because he had an aluminum knock and i'm over his shoulder and he dropped it absolutely in the pocket right so in that crease and and i'll tell you a lot of guys focus on that crease the only thing is is you couldn't see his legs on the bottom because it was covered in oak brush and this animal was actually quartering away and and that's something that we had talked about on angles is that you know, if you're going to shoot a quartering away animal, yeah. where to shoot? And and that's that's the thing, right? So, going back, emotionals, emotional moment because you think you're going to find this animal and then you don't, and then you keep tracking them. I'm telling you, we tracked this animal for over two and a half miles. I spent 12 hours total tracking these animals. The guys went back to camp, got me food, came back, and we could not find this animal. And I'm not going to sit here and lie. I cried by myself in those woods. Uh, and how terrible I felt not being able to find this animal, right? So it is, and, and that's a good thing, you know. I think that we all need to feel that sense of responsibility, yeah. uh, that ethical Very sense true. of making sure that we practice enough and we're worthy of these animals to take one of these animals, right? So uh, 
you know, great, great thing you feel that way, Will, because I think that's something that we need to keep with ourselves. That's what makes us true hunters, is that we care and that, that we want to do things right. And the other thing you just touched on is with regards to angles. And I'll never forget conversation I had with you, Gilbert, about, you know, it's all, archery is all about angles. And, and that kind of resonated with me. And when you're in the woods, you know, the, the, the shadows, the distances, uh, I mean, you're in areas that you don't fully understand. Uh, things appear closer than they are or further than they are. Lighting will have an effect on how close and how far they look. Yeah, you may think you have an animal perfectly quarter at broadside and and actually there might be a little hill and he's got his right foot in the you know in a different area where something yeah, looks really broadside but it's he's maybe quartering away or quartering to a little bit to where right. you think that arrow goes in into that perfect spot and then and, and I'll give you a quick example and I know we're going to talk about his Manano skill <clears throat> this year but when I saw his bull run with that arrow that arrow was in the perfect spot, right, right in the spot you guys talked about on right. the broadcast. I'm thinking that animal is dead, and I thought he was perfectly broadside to him when he shot it. Mm -hmm. When we found that animal, it turns out that it, the shot was a little bit more forward, and the exit wound was also way back. So, so that animal, animal was actually quartering towards a lot more than we thought right. it was, right. right? So, I mean, Sometimes our visions and our what we remember of the shot is really deceiving, right. and it's not exactly what. So why you know paying attention to the the the, the position of the legs, mm -hmm. um, the, the the front two legs is super important in order to make the decisions on the shots Excellent. because it yeah. makes a huge difference. Totally, yeah, yeah. yeah totally. Yeah, that's right. You know, we 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 all feel for you, brother, yeah. and we've all been there. Yeah. Well, and one that's thing right. I wanted to say is that. Will, you are the type of person that we want back in the woods. Exactly. Uh, if, if you're feeling that way, if, that means that, that you honor the hunt, that you honor the animal. That's right. And those are the exact people that we want hunting in the woods. And teaching others to. And yeah. teaching others Absolutely. to honor like yeah. that. So, you know, if, if you were somebody that gave up on that, it, it would be not only a, a huge loss for all of us as, as a, a brother and a sisterhood, um, the hunting community. but it'd be a huge loss for anybody that is going to uh, learn from you. You're going to have a huge ripple effect um, just on what you teach somebody else. You know, when I talk to Luis, I, I, you know, all of us, we can talk to somebody else and tell them, hey, you know, this is, you got to get back on the horse. You got to do this. You, you definitely honor the animal. You put the practice in. You put the work in. But crap happens. Mm -hmm. You know, it happens. And we tell them that to make them feel better. Only if it happens to us, you know, <laughs> there's next thing you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. <clears throat> so, but, but understand that. R remember that. You, because of the way you are and the way you feel, are who we want out here hunting and teaching other people. Mm -hmm. So the the next part of your story, Will, was that you said that, um, and and this really honored us, was that after listening to the things that we had to say, uh, you actually got psyched up again to get back out in the woods. And um, there you go, man. Bravo. I mean, uh, worked on his physical fitness. Oh, worked on getting back. So Will um, said that. Uh, like Gilbert, that uh, he, he's been on a journey and has lost 
50. Yeah, not only Gilbert, but Luis. I think all of us, you know, we're constantly working at that because we know what it is to be out here. But Will lost 55 pounds. Awesome. That's and, awesome. Uh, Improved his life, not just his hunting. Manano picked them up. You know, it, but I'm in full shape. Yeah, you, yes, you are. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah, he definitely is. And you know, Will, what you did was not only made yourself a better hunter because you've made yourself. You, you've done so many things. I mean, you've made yourself a better man. You've extended your life by ten years. I mean, none of us know when our time's going to happen when we get called on, but. Uh, we can sure help that situation yes, out sir, sure. by not taking care of who we are, sure. and and man, I, I, it it makes everything in your world so much better. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Luis, before this hunt, you know, uh, we we're getting uh, text messages about you know times from runs and reports, and, you know, yeah, reports on daily yeah, how reports, far he's running, yeah, things uh, that are daily reports, and you lost twenty it, pounds, man, yeah, 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 twenty pounds, yeah, now, yeah sir. And and are look so he's, good. He's and below two hundred pounds, and I got my left leg weighs that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah. So last year when I came to the hunt, um, I was two hundred and twelve pounds, and uh, I was able. My goal was to, when I when I left camp last year, I was about two hundred pounds, uh, two hundred and three, two hundred and five pounds. With right. the way y'all cook. With, yeah. Yes. Even <laughs> even then, so that tells you how much extra my That's body impressive. felt. That is impressive. So, you know, because every time we get something, these guys are eating something. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So I got back to the house, and my goal this year was to come to camp with the weight I came back from camp last year, and I went way under that. So I came in at 192. Yeah. And my goal is to be back at home with 186. And when we get to when we talk about your hunt here in a minute, uh, you're going to talk a little bit more about that as well. So uh, I, I to, wanted to say one thing to Will yeah, about uh, what what happened to him. Um, Will, if I got anything to tell you about what happened to you and you looking for that bull for 850 yards, I'll tell you this: is if you found where you've gotten blood and you've gone more than 250 yards, I would implore you to back out and not chase that animal any further. Most of the time when we hit a bull in that pocket, in that border room, they're going to go down within the first 100 to 250 yards. What a lot of times happens, we only get one lung or we get the liver, and we get them up unbeknownst to us. They're very silent critters, even as big as they are. We'll get them up, and they don't make a lot of racket getting out of there, but they will get away from you so much further because we bump them. Yep. Right, and I'm not saying you did that, but I'm just saying if you followed him 850 yards, chances are you did bump him. And if we got one lung and a liver, they can live a long time, Joe. Well, 12 and he, hours. And he said he he followed that blood through some of the thickest yeah. crap mm-hmm. you can. And there's sure. no way you can be quiet doing that. No. And it right. just gets that animal up yeah. because. And here's the, here's what's cool is. Uh, I don't know if it's exactly right now, but I know that Will's in the Elkwoods because yep. he got inspired. He he actually went out there and uh, and did a bunch of scouting. He's chasing elk again this year, but he's in the same area and found the bull from last year, another 450 yards up from where he last found Real blood quick. last year. So that bull did die, yep. and uh, if it was a one lung, that's like your bull died at some point yes, Luis. Yes, but 
losing the blood and being able to locate it in the same situation, you know, that's it happens, Will. Right. And uh, and Gilbert's exactly right. You know, you just uh, if you're in a situation where they're going uphill back out because that animal has enough energy, he's either, either only got one lung because of the angle, or you end up getting some liver. Um, and that's going to take four to yeah. six hours up there. So, and sometimes they lay down because they don't feel very good. And, right. And if, they if, lay down if you start, yeah. And then they, if you start getting close to them, and what happens is, if you bump them, uh, again, yeah, not adrenaline. saying that the happens. Adrenaline, yeah. the adrenaline kicks in, <clears throat> and they've also been laying on the wound sometimes, and that kind of seals the wounds a yeah. little bit. Start coagulating that blood exactly. right around the wound, and when they get up and start running real fast. There's going to be a section where you're not going to be able to see any blood at all, and the, you know it's harder to kind of track after that point. Good stuff. You know, so right, right. Good and, stuff. And and that's the thing is 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 Will we're we're proud of you, dude. Um, we're so glad for your journey uh, that you're on because all of us have been on that journey, still and uh, and you're still out there doing it again, buddy. Please, man, um, let us know. Uh, we heard the story from last year. We want to hear the story from this year. And we want to share that, and uh, and we we thank you for being in Elk Camp with us to today. Good luck, brother. Yeah, yeah good luck. You bet. It. I can't thank all of you out there that's sharing our Elk Camp with us. For me, Joe, Jillia, our coaches up here at Elk Camp, the Venezuelan Mafia, Brendan the Cat, professional cat killer out of Pennsylvania, from all of us. God bless all our grinders out there. God bless everybody that watches us and supports our podcast. We want all our husbands to kiss their wives. Wives, kiss their husbands. Hug your babies. Keep your broad heads sharp and your powder dry. And we'll see you next week right here on Blue Collar Elk Hunting. Yeah! Yeah! Yeah!